0: Money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. P.T. Barnum. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? All right, friends and foe, here we go again. Thank you for coming back. Today, we're talking about finance in a nutshell. Uh, If you've been with the show for any amount of time, you probably know that I started this personal development journey, reading these books and things uh, in the finance space. So I've always been really into finance. Even as a kid, I had a a job moving sprinklers on my parents' farm, and and I would earn $1.25 a day, I think it was, might've been $2.50 when when I, took a leap up anyway basically a couple bucks a day moving sprinklers out on the farm and i every time i got paid i would take a chunk of that money and put it in a pencil box it was like i'm gonna save this for something really great and then i could spend the rest on something smaller and i don't know if anybody taught me that but that's how i lived my life as a kid and then sometime around eight years old my one of my grandparents invested some money in a stock for me in a bank, bought some stock. I don't even know what bank it was. I didn't have control of the account. It was just there. And by the time I was about 13, 14 years old, it had turned into several thousand dollars. And that just stole my mind. Like I wanted to figure out how I could do more of that. And so I started buying more stock. I changed the account to something I could control. I started talking to everyone that I knew that was an investor. Like, how are you doing it? What do you, where do you get your information, reading books? And, you know, I haven't become some Warren Buffett type character. I mean, I'm a pretty average guy with typical earnings over, over my life, but because of my financial education there have been several times in my life, I think probably about four times that I can think of off the top of my head, where I went some extended period of time without a job and was able to just make ends meet and live a really good life because I had a financial cushion. And that was because of my investing and saving habits. And so I just want to share some of that knowledge that I have as far as the basics of finance, like what do you need to know about money and how it works and how do you get started in investing? Some of the information you could go look at, some of the books you might want to read and uh, we'll get into that. So there are former episodes where I talk about the basics of, of investing in stocks. I think that was our most popular episode for a long time. Uh, breaking down how do you, how do you get into stocks? So you could go back and look at that. So today let's let's jump into this uh, finance in a nutshell. So how does money work? First of all, <laughs> you know it's not like it was when we were on the gold standard back in the day. There just wasn't a lot of change in the value of gold, right? Basically, there's a rate we could mine gold there was kind of a set standard for like, this is what your gold can purchase per ounce or however they broke it down into coins. And it was like, you know, you can buy this much wheat, you could buy a wagon cost this much, even when it was getting into some of the mechanical era where we started having cars and stuff like that, right? You could tell how much money or gold everything was going to cost. There wasn't a lot of inflation or deflation. But then... We went off the gold standard in the early 70s, and suddenly the dollar is this mythical creature. (laughs) The dollar is essentially cryptocurrency. I mean, it's this made up thing that we say has a certain amount of value. So you might have heard stories from your parents or grandparents talking about, you know, they remember going to the movies for like a quarter and buying a treat and watching a movie for two for 25 cents, or uh, I think my parents' house that I grew up in cost less than like 50 grand. Right. So that's not even close to today's standard. Like the average house that I see listed around, you know, on the signs as I drive around my community, it's like from the 400s, like $400,000 is pretty much what you're going to pay and up. So clearly, The dollar isn't buying what it used to, and that's because of inflation. Now, the Fed and the government essentially control how much money is printed, and when they create more money out of thin air, that devalues every dollar that's out there, right? So if you're thinking about going to the grocery store, let's say that yesterday, $1 bought a half dozen eggs, so $2 for a dozen eggs. Well, fast forward six, eight months or a couple of years, Now that same carton of eggs actually costs double. So your dollar purchased less, right? Your dollar has less value and that's always at play. The the government has basically been deflating money since we went on the gold standard and that's to their advantage as a government because they can borrow money from people, from countries, or even from themselves put that out into the economy to try and fill holes or stimulate certain areas of the economy, create social programs, all kinds of various things that the government does. Some of it completely stupid, but nevertheless, they do that and now they're in debt, but they can inflate away their debt by printing more money (laughs) and sort of paying off their debt, or at least reducing how much that value of debt is compared to their current um wealth right so uh you can deflate away debt so it works for the government it's in their advantage to have inflation but it's to our disadvantage as people earning money so if you're an employee you have to technically get a raise every year in order to maintain the exact same lifestyle because those eggs got more expensive you know your next new car is going to be more expensive so the Purchasing power of every dollar is just a little bit weaker year after year. And lately, it's a lot weaker in a matter of like three years. (laughs) So, you're never going to get wealthy by earning a typical income and putting money under your mattress because all the money you put in your mattress becomes worth less over time. So, trying to retire on a depreciating dollar is not a very easy thing. So, what you need to do is purchase assets that will continue to pay you over time. So instead of putting that money under your mattress, you wanna buy things that will pay you. And people are going, well, I'm not business savvy. So how am I gonna own a business that pays me or retire on those things? Well, there are some very simple ways to start that. Number one is the stock market, just where I started in my life at age 14. I figured out that was a super easy thing to do. So the nice thing about stocks, you don't really need any qualifications all you have to do is sign up for um, an account with an online broker like Ameritrade Etrade Charles Schwab there's a dozen others that you could get on you know you got to have your basically ID your bank account and some way to get your money in there and then you're ready to go and once you've got that account it's super easy to transfer money in and out it's very easy to buy and sell stocks you can happen in seconds It's extremely easy. Their barriers are almost non-existent. You can get in and out of stocks super quick and easy. And so you know, a lot of people say, don't invest any money that you are going to need in the near future. Uh, But if you happen to get into a bind, it's not that hard to get your money. (laughs) It might take you three days to have that money in your bank account. So it's not a difficult thing to get in or out. The other thing about stocks is you don't really need much money to start. Some of these brokers do have like a minimum initial deposit. So you might need like $500. And then after that, you can just send a little trickle in there, a few bucks a week, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a week, and then just keep purchasing stocks. And stocks vary in price from pennies to thousands of dollars. So there's a broad range of of things that you could purchase. When you compare that to like real estate, for example, it's a different story. Real estate, you... You've got to have a minimum down payment. So, if you're not going to have that money yourself, you've got to go raise that from other people. So, there's, you know, it's a little more complex, but let's just say you're using your own money. You got to have a 20% uh, down payment or 25% if it's a second home. Um, you've got to put that much down and then you got to be able to pay that mortgage. So, if you're renting it out, hopefully it all goes well, but, you know, it's a little more complicated. Not to mention, just getting into the house, you got to find one, you got to have a broker, you got to pay all these fees, you got to, you know, have inspections. It's just a process to get in. And then once you're in, uh, it's a process to get out as well, trying to list it and sell it and might need to do some updating and take pictures and get a broker and pay people to help you. And uh, so the timeline and the amount of money and effort to get in and out of real estate, it's just a different story. But a very good asset as well, so some people like to invest in the stock market, you know, just slowly sending a trickle in there as that appreciates and you get paid dividends and things like that. Then when you find the right property and you've got this accumulation of money in your stocks, you pull that out, put it in real estate, and then just go back to reaccumulating stock market money so that's that's a couple of methods that you can use to sort of buy assets that will pay you over time. Some stocks do pay cash dividends. So you know, gain, G-A-I-N is the symbol. That pays a monthly dividend. It's not very much. So you have to own a ton of shares to really make a significant amount on the cash end. But nevertheless, it's a monthly payment. Some pay quarterly, some pay semi-annually, some pay annually. And so they'll actually pay you cash because when you buy a stock, you are now a part owner of a business. And Any business that's on the the open stock market has millions of shares. And so if you only buy a few, you're a very tiny part owner and you have real no authority over that business, but you can sell that ownership to someone else at a greater value in the future, or you can collect dividends on that. So it's a nice way to sort of earn money when you're not working or in addition to your work. Probably the easiest way and most common way that people get involved with the stock market is through their employer-based retirement account. So whether it's a 401k or a Roth IRA or something else, literally just participate in that. Someone else is gonna take your money and invest it in the stock market and, and you're in. Uh, so you're not really managing that yourself. You just have a, a certain percentage of your paycheck pulled out and sent to that specific broker and you're in the stock market. So. Uh, A lot of people say they don't invest in the stock market because it's so risky. But (laughs) I've also done episodes on this where if you compare the return on cash over the last 50 years, what is it? It's basically a negative 3% a year. So you're literally losing money by having cash. If you keep your money in the bank, you're going to get just about the same or maybe a touch more then the inflation has lost. So you're basically staying even by having your money in a bank and getting 3 4% interest return on that, which lately I don't even think it's close to that. If you look at the 50-year the average of the stock market, it's something around 10% increase year over year. There are some down years, but if you don't sell during the down years, then what's it matter to you, right? It's about a 10% increase year over year over for 50 years. So which one is more risky? I mean, it's like a guaranteed loss if you have cash. It's pretty much a guaranteed break even if you have money in the bank. And for 50 years, it's been a guaranteed 10% increase over the long-term in the stock market. So the most risky is cash, second is the bank, and the least risky is the stock market. So you wanna get in the stock market. Now, having said that, being such a fanatic of the stock market, in today's economic environment, even some of the biggest, most successful investors are sending me kind of mixed signals. It doesn't seem like people know exactly what's going to happen in the next like two, three years. Financially, because the global markets seem to be at a tipping point, the entire world is in a very unstable state, and this is not new. Uh, Every so often, we have a long-term debt cycle where there's sort of this implosion of the financial markets, and sometimes the financial center of the world changes to a new country. Sometimes it doesn't, and we seem to be kind of at that point or near it. And so it's a little bit difficult today to tell you, will the stock market go up or will the stock market go down? Are we about to implode? Will we kind of squeak out another decade similar to like we did after the 2008 recession? But prior to that, for the last 90 years, you've basically seen the market trending up with a few short-term debt cycles, causing it to sort of plummet. And then go back up pretty quickly and within two years and then same thing. So there's this big question like, (laughs) are we going to do that again? Maybe one more time before everything sort of collapses for a, a reset or are we at the reset point? So it's a little difficult right now to say, definitely go invest. But getting yourself prepared to invest when things start to have some sense of a a more sure (laughs) future is a good idea now i have some books to recommend to you at the end and i'll kind of go into to some of that now but um some ways to learn about money and think about money so there's this whole dave ramsey world that you have probably heard of and he's he's proponent for saying spend less than you earn don't ever take debt except for on a few exceptions like a house even then he has very clear boundaries and rules about how much debt you take what kind of loans you take etc and so just do not live on debt which is a very good way to live and you know you you will never get yourself into trouble you'll always live within your means and so whether you stick with that program or move on to something like leveraging debt for uh, you know, real estate purposes and things like that, like Robert Kiyosaki does, either way you should live on a budget, live within your means, spend less than you earn. So it's human nature to always spend all of what we have. And so I just want to say like wherever you end up in life, It's very important for you to learn how to restrict your spending to things that are valuable to you, that are within your budget to spend less than you earn. If you spend less than you earn, you'll always be able to just continue to grow your wealth and earn more over time than you did the year before. And and that's very critical because as we talked about with the deflating dollar, you're going to, even if you're ready to just sort of retire. You want to have yourself set up that you can earn more next year than this year so that you can maintain the same lifestyle with no real struggle. Okay, so Dave Ramsey's buy on cash, buy your car cash, buy your toys cash, buy your food cash. Uh, The only thing you don't buy is your house cash. And then even then you pay that off as fast as you can. That's the Dave Ramsey style. Now, I like the general ideas. And if you're not interested in finance, you're not interested in business, you just sort of want to have your job that you, you may or may not enjoy. But if, if you're kind of going like, I want to go to work, do my thing, go home. And I I don't want to think about money or finance or business or side hustles. If that's not you, The Dave Ramsey plan is probably the best thing for you. Buy on cash, spend less than you means, invest in your employer-funded retirement account. Now, Robert Kiyosaki is always talking about using debt to get rich. And while I lean in that direction, I think your personality has to match up with it. Otherwise, it's going to be a headache, it's going to be stressful, and you might not take All the time, you need to learn how to do well using other people's money. But this is how you get rich faster and you avoid paying taxes and all those kinds of things. Because when you're an employee, you pay taxes at a specific rate based on the amount of money you get and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) But if you start a business or invest, there's reasons why the government will give you tax breaks for those things. And so you can take money That would go to the government, put it into some sort of thing that might stimulate business, it might be an investment. You can write it off as some sort of an expense. And now you're accumulating more assets without paying taxes. And so there's all these advantages. So when you do things like that are stimulating to the economy, the government gives you tax perks. And so um, that's another form of sort of income. Like how much are you paying out? Can you reduce that? Well, then you're keeping more of what's yours, right? So Robert Kiyosaki, he has two great books called The Cash Flow Quadrant and Rich Dad Poor Dad, which he, I think he has other books than that, but those are the ones that are m- most famous. Cash Flow Quadrant talks about four different areas of income as an employee, as a small business owner, as a large business owner, and as an investor. And those two last ones that I said are really where people gain a lot of wealth and a lot of freedom because those become passive incomes that you don't have to really manage or monitor, right? Again, an investor, you have no employees, you have no credentials, you don't need education, you don't need like, there's nothing that blocks you from getting in on it. And yet it makes money while you're not working. So you want to get over there if you can. And a good way to do that is by leveraging debt. So you can actually, uh, so this house I Could refinance and pull out equity. So then I have cash, but I still live in the house. I can take that cash and invest it in another property, which I can then rent out. And that can bring me in income. And as those two houses, the one I live in and the one I just bought, increase in value, uh, the renters are paying my mortgage. So I'm gaining equity that way. Hopefully, there's extra cash on top of that. So I'm gaining. Uh, income that way at some point in the future i could leverage the value that i have that i own in those two properties to go buy a third or a fourth you know and and now it's starting to snowball and i'm getting money from two houses and my net worth is growing and so i have this leverage to go to the bank and say look i own all these assets i'm worth this much money and they go well let's let's get you some more money in your hand. so i go Purchase something else that can bring me more money. That's how you leverage debt to gain wealth. And then by continuing to purchase more assets, you don't pay taxes because you can show very little income. Another fantastic book, especially for someone who uh, doesn't necessarily like the self help world, is The Richest Man in Babylon. So it's actually kind of told as a fictional story. It's kind of a fun read, but it also talks about. Um, how someone went from basically slavery into the richest man in in Babylon. And he talks about a lot of these principles of keeping a certain percentage of all you earn and then investing over time and diversification of investing and creating small streams of income. He actually talks about each coin almost as an employee or a slave And that that coin can make more coins and those coins can make more coins. And so over time, you have this accumulation of multiple streams of income and each of those coins or dollars is out there working for you at all hours of the day. And so the more of that you get, the less you're dependent upon your own time to earn money. Another great book, The Warren Buffett Way, Warren Buffett, obviously one of the great all-time investors, and he's known as a value investor. So a lot of times the way he looks at stocks are not necessarily is this the next boom? You know, he's not going like Chat GPT. Is this going to be the future of tech? And can I get in on it? Rather, Warren Buffett, he he wants to buy companies that are sort of surefire to continue to succeed. So Coca-Cola is one of his most famous investments. Coca-Cola owns a lot of the soft drinks world. Its competitors have never been able to really break down its barriers and take a significant chunk of its market. Uh, It's stood the test of time. It's the most popular drink. Its branding is phenomenal around the world. And so you look at Coke and you go, it seems to, it's, it's lasted through hard times. It's lasted through good times. It's beat out competition. It's just... Has this moat, it has this strength, it's got this history. So if you buy Coca-Cola, you're probably not going to lose your money. And the other thing is it sells products every single day all over the globe. And that returns money. And so it's like, okay, that's a surefire bet. Warren Buffett talks about buying these kinds of things, right? He'll say recently about cryptocurrency. Like, even if I got like all the crypto in the world, what would I do with it? It doesn't do anything the only thing i can do is sell it to someone else to make money that's it but crypto itself is not creating revenue whereas if i buy a farm it produces i sell the production i still own the farm but i sold the hay or the animal and i can do it again tomorrow and again and again or if i buy real estate i can rent it out and if a renter leaves i can get a new renter And I could remodel it and sell the house if I wanted, similar to selling my crypto, but I can just keep the asset and still make money. So Warren Buffett's trying to buy things like that. Can I buy this company and will it continue to produce revenue forever? Like he wants companies that he'll just hold until he dies. And that's a value investor. And so Warren Buffett is known for that. The Warren Buffett way talks about long-term investing and why you cannot beat the market. Another person not necessarily his book though he does have a couple of great books on economics and principles is Ray Dalio. He's he's probably my favorite uh mentor in the uh world of investing and not he's not my personal mentor he has no idea who I am but I love, I just eat up every YouTube video he's got. He's got some great books. I would highly recommend you go listen to Ray Dalio's Economic Machine. Video, uh, the changing world order video he talks a lot about human nature. He breaks down how the government and the Fed and the central banks and and human uh, nature all sort of create this economy that we live in, and how an economy explodes versus a how an economy sort of spirals backwards. Which, like I said earlier, we're kind of on that tipping point. We don't know which way we might go right now. So uh, Ray Dalio is excellent for a basic knowledge of economics. So anyway, those are a few great books that I recommend for you guys. As always, I'll put the links in the show notes so that you can purchase those directly from Amazon from those links. When you use those links in any of my videos or podcasts, I get a small chunk of the purchase price. So I appreciate you using those links when you find value from this show. Also head over to bronsonwilkes.com and check out the store. You could purchase my ebook ingrained three steps to achieve any goal. Uh, It's just a few dollars. It's a short little course type book that helps you understand how you can break down the person you want to be and then reverse engineer that to actually implement small daily habits to take you to that place so go check out ingrained there's some swag over there now and other ways you could support the show is by sharing content that you really like give us a review on your favorite podcast host i appreciate you guys listening we'll catch you on the next one Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilks.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.